silencing unbelief at the sound of your name your name is victory you're the banner over me silencing unbelief at the sound of your name your name is victory you're the banner over me silencing unbelief at the sound of your name your
So great to see you today. Join us online. Welcome. Let's sing together. Lift our voices. There's nothing that our God can't do. Let's sing about the power that is in Jesus today. Sing with us. Oh, just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word. The darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, just one touch, 
today, I will believe, I will believe, for greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus, let faith arise, let all agree, there's no power like the power of Jesus, I will believe, that's right, for greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise and let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise and let all agree. Oh, there's no power like His power. There's nothing that I
Sing this with us today. Water you turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome and power. Our God. Oh, our God. the darkness you shine into the darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise there's no one like you none like you our God is greater our God is stronger God you are Today, nothing can stop our God. Nothing is greater, nothing is stronger. If our God is for us, who can be against us? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what says this in Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes of Christ's perfect example of humility in challenging the church, challenging us to not look to our own interests, but look to the interests of others. 
And he says in verse five, having this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We want to teach you a new song this morning. It's a song called Worthy, and it just talks about the work of Christ on the cross. And even in, the, even in his humility, even to the point of death, his humility in coming and taking human flesh and living on this earth and just what we're getting ready to celebrate for the next coming weeks, but being obedient to the point of death, humbling himself on the cross. And in that, being exalted by God and he alone is the one that's worthy of praise. He alone is deserving of all the honor, all the glory, all the worship, all the praise. So we're gonna do that this morning. We're gonna sing uh, this new song together and lift high the name of Jesus, not any of our, our own names, not the name of our church, not the things that we have or the things that we do or what we can bring, but come and just lay ourselves, lay our burdens, lay our desires at the feet of Jesus and worship him and lift high his name. So let's do that today.
Welcome again. My name is Lauren Armstrong. We are so excited that you're with us today. We'd love to let you know about some exciting things happening here. The Christmas season is almost here, and we are excited about our Advent devotionals. These are a great way to be encouraged in you and your family's walk with the Lord. You can stop by the Advent table in the lobby and pick up your copy for $8 each. Starting Tuesday, our staff will be doing daily devotionals online with each day's readings. Where there is prayer, there is power. And this Wednesday, we have our first Wednesday prayer night. This is a time to come together as a body to pray for one another, our area, our nation, and the world. Join us this Wednesday at 6.30 to do just that. God is moving at Bay Area. One of the things we're excited about is the momentum our forward initiatives are gaining, especially the Counseling Center looking to open next year. With all of that in mind, as the year comes to a close, we would love for you to consider partnering with us through year-end giving. Help us to end the year well and fully fund our vision to saturate the 4B area with the gospel by restoring people, families, and churches. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Let's pray. God, you're awesome, you're holy, and I praise you, I exalt you, and give you glory. I thank you for Sundays where we can come together and we can worship you and we can learn about you. God, I ask that you would transform lives, that you would open the eyes of our hearts to your truths, God. Bless our pastor. Bless the word that is spoken here at Bay Area today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, a little bit bigger, a little bit fuller today, right? Somebody told me, I was like sitting in the back between services, and they go, you okay? I go, yeah, I'm all right. They go, you look exhausted. I don't know why. They say, well, may they say that what you eat two days before affects you two days later. So if that's the case, we may be in trouble by the third service because 
I don't know about you guys, but I ate a ton this past couple of days celebrating Thanksgiving, um, and I'm just excited to be here with you. Uh, I'm thankful to be here with you. Uh, my name is Zach. I serve as executive pastor here um, at the church, and I've got the honor to conclude our series called Kingdom First. We're talking about a kingdom confidence. So if you want to pull out your Bible or your app, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 through 29 is going to be our main passage for today. Um, as we conclude this series together. And as you're doing that, I've got one additional announcement that I wanna make to you today. And it's about Christmas, our Christmas Eve services. Uh, We'll be hosting four services, both live here in the room, as well as those being streamed online on the 24th. Uh, They're family-friendly services. There'll be candlelight services. Um, We'll be having those at one o'clock, 2.30, 4 o'clock, and 5.30. So 1 o'clock, 2.30, 4 o'clock, and 5.30. I um, want to encourage you, if you'll do something for us, uh, we would love for you to RSVP uh, the service that you are going to attend. Um, all seating is going to be first come, first serve. So that doesn't guarantee you anything other than it guarantees us to kind of have an idea of who's coming when so we can prepare for you so everybody can have the best experience possible in this, this room. And so we'll still be distancing, all those kind of things, same requirements we have every single week um, here to worship together. But if you'll RSVP, that really help us out on the planning side. And you can do that by going to bayarea.church beginning on December 1st. So Tuesday, December 1st, you can begin to RSVP to thank you for that. The first 250 families or individuals that go on and RSVP, uh, we'll send you a little gift later on in the the month just to say thanks for helping us out in that way. But it's going to be a great, great service. We're going to kick off our Advent series uh, this next Sunday. So I'm really looking forward to this uh, time of the year. Uh, we're in a series we're wrapping up today called Kingdom First, and we've been talking about the kingdom of God, uh, sometimes referred to as the kingdom of heaven, sometimes it's referred to as the kingdom. Uh, but we've been using a definition to, to kind of as the foundation for our time together, and it's this, is we understand what the kingdom of God is, that the kingdom is living the heavenly reign of Jesus here and now. It's living in recognition of his kingship, living on earth as it is in heaven. That's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about a physical place. We're talking about the rule and the reign of Jesus, both here on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And we've been looking at just the idea of how the kingdom of God is something that is both present and coming. It's something that we're a part of if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's something that we have been called to, uh, to expand and, and to build and, uh, and to bring to this earth in many different ways. And it's such an important thing for us. And so we kicked off by looking at on week one, the, the, the fact that we're citizens of the kingdom of, of God. And so we need to understand our, 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 our identity is based upon that more than anything else in life is we're, we're citizens of the kingdom. Pastor Brian, the next week, uh, share with us some, some things about what the kingdom is not. Uh, and then came back the week following that and shared what the kingdom is. Last week, we talked about the importance of seeking the kingdom first, as Matthew, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. And today, we want to talk to you about kingdom confidence. And I want to encourage you today that, that in an ever-increasingly uh, uncertain world, 
that if we will put the kingdom first, we can experience and find a certainty and a confidence that can help bring hope in the midst of even uncertain times, right? You know, there, there's something about just the idea of, of and the, the, the ideas of certainty and confidence that go hand in hand. The more certain we are about something, typically the more confidence we have in that thing, right? So if you're certain that, that, that X is gonna happen, then your confidence in that happening is, is pretty high. If you're uncertain about something happening, then you don't have a lot of confidence in that. And so when we talk about the kingdom, really we're asking the question, is, you know, what can we or can we in this world have certainty and confidence in anything? Because I don't know about you, but one of the things that COVID has has revealed to me and shown me in this time is is that even the things I had confidence in, that I had certainty in, some of those things are different. You know, maybe the fact that you used to have kind of certainty in the fact that you had a job and that job was going to always be there, that that certainty and confidence may be a little shaky now that the economy shifted a little bit. You know, maybe something as simple as, hey, I'm pretty certain that on Thanksgiving Day, we're going to gather with this group of people in this way, and we're going to all meet and do these things. And now all of a sudden, because of the coronavirus and people taking precaution and stuff like that, some of that even kind of fell apart. It's not quite the same as it used to be, right? So is there anything we can have certainty and confidence in when it comes to this life that we find ourselves living? You know, Mark Twain said the only two certain things are what? Death and taxes, right? Not the most encouraging way of living, right? Well, I'm certain about death and I'm certain about taxes. I'm confident in those things, but those two things aren't necessarily gonna bring hope in your life. So the question really is, are those the only two things we can be certain of? In all of Mark Twain's brilliance, was, he, was that a true statement? And I wanna just kind of propose to you this morning that, that I believe we can have confidence and certainty in things besides death and taxes. And it's really in one thing, the kingdom of God, that we can have a certainty and a confidence in the kingdom of God and the promises found within that kingdom that that, that can give us a hope to live our lives differently in this world. And that's really the bottom line for today. And it's this, is that living kingdom first helps us find certainty and confidence to face an ever increasingly uncertain world. The living the kingdom first, putting God's kingdom first in our life helps us find certainty and confidence to face an increasingly uncertain world. So let's talk a little bit about that today. If you'll stand with me uh, with your copy of God's word, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 18, we're gonna read through 29. Um, and and if, if you're new to, uh, to our church or watching a lot of you're new to us, when we read the passage for the, the, the main text of the, this week, we'll say the phrase, the very words at the end of that, just to distinguish God's word from my own. Let's read this. Let's read this. Here we go. Chapter uh, 12, Hebrews verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the whole, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. 
See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, verse 28, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Maybe seated. So what I want to share with you from that passage today is this, is I believe in that passage, it reveals to us and reminds us of three things we can have certainty and confidence in when it comes to the kingdom of God. Now, these aren't the only three things, but three things that the writer of Hebrews reminds us of that we can have certainty and confidence in when we understand the kingdom of God. But then I want to take it to a kind of practical is because of that kingdom of confidence, how can we live? How do we live day to day based upon the confidence and the certainty of the things found in this passage? So if you're taking notes, write this down. First thing I believe that the, 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 the writer tells us we can have confidence in is this, is that we as followers of Jesus can have confidence in what is and what is to come. What is and what is to come. Now, to understand this passage, we have to understand the, the, the book of Hebrews. The Hebrews was written by, by, by a New Testament writer who was writing to a primarily Jewish audience. And, and the book really is a comparison between what was in the Old Testament and what is because of Jesus Christ. So he's looking back to the, the things that the Jewish people would have understood, and then he's comparing those to the things that we find in Jesus and, and this new kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God that we find ourselves living in today. And so in this statement, he's, not, he's talking about really what was versus what is and what is to come. And we can have confidence in that. Look back at verse 18. He says, for you have not come to what may be touched. He begins by saying, listen, this is not where you are. So this is, this is not the kingdom. This is not the expression of the new covenant we're gonna talk about. This is the old covenant. This is what was. And he says, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the, or, the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Well, what's he talking about here? It is not a very encouraging picture that he's painting, right? About fear and about stoning and about judgment and all this kind of stuff. What he's talking about was, was, really, was really what happened at Mount Sinai in the Old Testament. If you go back, and I want to encourage you to do this, go back and read Exodus chapter 19 this week. God is, is, has descended his presence on Mount Sinai and is giving the law, the, the Old Testament covenant to the people of Israel. And, and, and in this setting, you see that the, there was fire, there were earthquakes, the, 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 the word of the Lord was so powerful that his presence was so, 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 so presently there that even if a, a, a beast touched the mountain that he was on, that beast was to be stoned in a person as well. And so this, this picture of this mountain is representative of the old covenant, the, the Old Testament. 
the, the Ten Commandments and the law that was given. And it was really a covenant and an agreement that, that if you will follow after these ways, then I will be your God. But what we understand as we look through that is that the law cannot be followed perfectly and never could be followed perfectly except by one person named Jesus. And so what the writer is saying is, listen, this is not what the kingdom really is. This is, this is the old covenant. But it, here's what he says in verse 22. But you, talking to followers of Jesus, you have come to Mount Zion. So you had Mount Sinai representing the old covenant. Now you have Mount Zion, the, the comparison of this new covenant in the kingdom of God. So, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the blood, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So he's comparing these two mountains. You have this, the Mount Sinai, the, the old covenant that was based upon your righteousness and ability to follow the law. But then now you have, and this is where we find ourselves as followers of Jesus in this new covenant, Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. This is a covenant that's based not on our ability to keep the law, but on our faith in Jesus and his ability to keep the law perfectly. It's not based upon our, our ability to forgive sin. It's based upon his ability to forgive our sin. And so the kingdom reminds us of what is and what is to come, that we are recipients of a new covenant, the, the new covenant found through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's one that, that's ultimately reflected and will be expressed in the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation 21, one through four really defines and talks about this Mount Zion, this new Jerusalem that is to come. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And so we see this picture of what is and what is to come, this picture of the kingdom. No longer is it Mount Sinai, it's Mount Zion. It's the new covenant found through Jesus Christ. And the writer is saying, listen, you can have confidence in the fact that your salvation, that your hope, your future is not based upon the Old Testament covenant, but it is based upon the new covenant found through Jesus Christ. It's not based upon your ability to be righteous. It's based upon his righteousness put on us. It's not based upon the uncertainty and the fear that maybe was found in the death that came through that. It is, it is now a covenant that is based on life through faith in, in Jesus. And so you can have confidence in the fact that you are people of a new covenant found in Jesus Christ, one that gives us hope, one that gives us peace, one that can have confidence and give us assurance of that. So we can be confident of that. Second thing we can be confident of is not just what is and is to come now and in the future. We can also be confident of who we are in Jesus. Because we are part of this new covenant, because we are part of the kingdom, our identity is sealed. It is certain. We can have confidence in the promises of God when it comes to who he says that we are. 
Go, look back at verse 22 through 24. There's four things that we see that he, uh, the writer describes us as followers of Jesus. One is that we're bound from Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That this place that will be one day, the kingdom that we're experiencing here on earth now, but that is coming in its fullness, right? That we are people who are bound for that. You know, one of the things that creates the most uncertainty and fear for a lot of people is death. And the question of what happens when we die, what happens after we die. As followers of Jesus, we don't have to worry and wonder about that question because our future, our path is certain and we can have confidence in it and we can have hope in it that when this life ends, we will move into the next life. And it will be in the new kingdom. It'll be with God. It'll be in perfection. We will be made perfect. And one day we will dwell in this new Jerusalem with God presently uninhabited, I mean, uninhibited, nothing hindering our relationship at, at all. That this is who we are, that we're bound for this, that our, deter, our destination has been decided. Our eternity is, is locked in. And that can give us a confidence and a hope, but also that we're part of the assembly of the firstborn. Right, Because Jesus died and he conquered death, he became the firstborn of the new covenant. But because we are in him, we are now part of the assembly of the firstborn. We have been brought into his kingdom. That all the blessings and all the rights that have been given to Jesus through, through defeating sin and death, now that has been given to us. We no longer have to fear. We no longer have to be bound in slavery to sin and death and temptation. We have been made new that we are now part of the assembly of the firstborn, sons and daughters of the king of kings. Next is this, is that we're enrolled in heaven. It goes back to what we talked about in week one of the series, Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven, that we are enrolled in the kingdom, that we have citizenship that cannot be revoked Right, that we are in the kingdom and we will always be in the kingdom because of faith in Jesus Christ. We have a confidence and a security in that. And that since we're enrolled in that, we've now been accepted. We've now been made new. We have now been brought in. We've been adopted as sons and daughters of the king. That's, that's who we are. That our identity is found in that primarily and not in what we may think about ourselves or what others may say about us or what our bank account may say in comparison to the, the, the people next door. Our identity is ultimately wrapped in the fact that we are enrolled in heaven as citizens of the kingdom. And that we are also the righteous made perfect. That we are made perfect. Listen, we I have to remind myself so much of this truth because I'm the guy who, when I look at my life or I look at something I'm doing or I look at me, I, the first thing I see is everything that's not what it should be. Anybody like that? Right? Some people would say negative. I would say we're realist, right? Okay. Like it's all, I, I'm the first person to pick out my flaws, to pick out what, what, what's not what should be. But when God sees me, and God sees you if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. Is he doesn't see our unrighteousness. He doesn't see what's wrong. He doesn't see the flaws. What he sees is the righteousness of Jesus Christ fully accepted, now given to us. That that's who you are if you're in Jesus Christ. 
that you are the righteous made perfect. You now have right standing with God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us and for you. Look at Hebrews 10, 14. It says, for by a single offering, he, talking about Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That, that he has perfected you, he's perfected me. That in, in the sight of God, we are, we are viewed through the perfection of Jesus Christ, not the imperfection of our brokenness. We can be certain of that. We can have confidence of that. That's why that we can, the scripture says we can, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence that because of Jesus, we're accepted by the Father. Romans 5.19 says, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. It's saying that because Adam and Eve sinned and brought into the world sinfulness, we have all been marked now and brought into the curse of sin. We all follow that, that, that path, that trajectory. We, we choose to, to sin. And because of that, we all find ourselves as sinners. But because of Jesus, if we put our faith and trust in him, we are now all made righteous. Not because of what we can do, but because of what he has done. So we can have confidence in who we are in Jesus. Third thing we have confidence in this passage is that we can have confidence in what will last and what will remain forever. We can have confidence in what will last and remain forever. Look at Hebrews 12, 25. The writer says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. He's saying, listen, God spoke in the Old Testament and God speaks in the New Testament. That God spoke and said, listen, that there's, there's a penalty for sin. That penalty is death. It is separation. And so to, to overcome that, you need to keep the law. But the new covenant said you can't keep the law. So Jesus is gonna keep the law for us. But just as though there was judgment for those who rejected the ways of God in the Old Testament, there's judgment for those who reject the ways of Jesus in the New Testament. That sin is, is a universal, timeless problem that, 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 that separates us from God, whether we were in the Old Covenant or New Covenant. And rejecting the message and the warning of Jesus is rejecting the grace and the, the, the kingdom of God. And so we have a choice to make of we are, whether we're gonna give ourselves to and live for what will last, which is the kingdom, or for what will not last, which is everything else that this world has to offer. We have that choice. Go back to Hebrews 12, 26, 27. It says, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Once again, he's comparing. When God spoke at Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. Literally, there was an earthquake. But he will shake the earth again, but not just the earth and the heaven. It's referring to this idea of judgment that is still to come. So this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. What's he talking about? He's talking about the, the, the fact and the certainty we can have that Jesus will return one day. Next week, we're beginning our our season of Advent. And, and Advent's a season where we look back and we, we remember that Jesus came, but we also look to his second coming. 
that one day he'll return. And when he does, he will come and he will judge the world. And those who have put their faith and trust and are found in him will be brought into the eternal kingdom and those who are not will be sent to eternal punishment. But what that tells us is, is that when he speaks in that judgment, he will shake the things that are eternal and the things that are not will go away. That the things that are eternal are the kingdom of God and the people of God, all people. We're, we're, we're eternal. We live forever, either with him or apart from him. And the things that will, will remain when he shakes things in judgment again are the things of the kingdom, the things that will last. Why is this important? Well, it's important because then we can understand that if the kingdom and the things of the kingdom are the things that will last, we can choose to either give our lives to things that last or give our lives to things that don't. It's the idea of seeking first the kingdom. Why did Jesus say in Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom? Because the kingdom will last. Everything else won't. So what are you gonna give yourself to? Things that will last or things that won't? We can have confidence in the things that will remain and last forever. Well, so what does this mean for us? How can we live then? If, 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 the, if we have confidence in the kingdom and the kingdom tells us that we can have confidence in what is and is to come, who we are in Jesus, and we can know what will last and remain forever versus what will not, well, how does that affect how we can live tomorrow? Can we live differently as people who have a kingdom confidence? Well, the writer tells us that we can, and he gives some specific ways that we can live out this confidence. Here's what he says. Look at verse 28, it says, therefore, I had a pastor friend of mine say that when you see the word therefore in scripture, you should always ask, what is therefore, therefore? It's a transition, right? It has a purpose. And it's saying, therefore, that because of all of this, because of all the confidence we have, therefore, here's what you can do. So here's the, the prescription, right? Here's the, 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 the calling. Here's the challenge. Here's the invitation. It says, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So three ways we can live out this kingdom confidence first is this, is we can live with a heart of gratitude. He says in verse 28, let us be grateful. Grateful for what? Grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That we can live as people whose gratitude is not circumstantial, but is based on kingdom. See, so often our gratitude and the attitude of whether we have gratitude or, or we lack gratitude is oftentimes, well, I'll speak for me, it's oftentimes based upon our circumstances, my circumstances. If I like what's happening, I'm really thankful for it. But I don't like what's happening, not very thankful for it, right? But as kingdom people, we can live differently because ultimately our gratitude is not based upon our circumstances, it's based upon the confidence and certainty of the kingdom. That's why when Paul says in Philippians, or 1 Thessalonians 5.18, to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, we can actually do that. It's really hard to give thanks in all circumstances when our thanks is based upon the circumstances. 
But when we live kingdom first, we know that regardless of our circumstances, we have a confidence and a certainty that rises above whatever's happening in our lives in this world. And we can live as people with gratitude, no matter what's happening in our circumstances, because the king is still the king no matter what. Now, is that easy to do? No. Am I perfect at that? Not not at all. But it's possible. It's a better way to live. It's something that we can achieve and attain through the Holy Spirit. We can live with gratitude. Second is this, is that we can live with a sense of hope. We can live with a sense of hope. You know, one of the things that certainty and confidence brings to us is it gives us hope in the midst of whatever we're going through. If all we can see and all we can put our faith and trust in are circumstances, then, then our circumstances are oftentimes gonna lead us feeling hopeless. But because of our kingdom confidence, we can live with a sense of hope. Why? We'll look back at 28. It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that will last, will always be, that no matter what happens on this earth, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. It cannot be defeated. It will not go away. All the promises and the blessing found within is ours regardless of whatever else is shaken in our life. And that can give us hope. It can give us hope. And that hope can give us courage when we face uncertainty because we know and have confidence in the kingdom. It can give us comfort during difficult times. Hope can be a comforting thing. And we can find that in the kingdom. It can also give us conviction for what is most important to live for. So we can know that when we're having to make choices, we're having to sacrifice, and maybe other people in the world or our friend groups are choosing to put their confidence and focus on this. We can know that, that not doing that and putting confidence and focus and priority on the things that are the kingdom first is actually a better choice. And we can have conviction in our life that, hey, that's what we need to be doing. And that hope can help us do that. And also can give us compassion for those who are suffering especially those who are suffering without Christ. It's really, it's really easy to get frustrated at people when they don't have hope. But instead of being frustrated at what hopelessness brings in their life and how they treat others and what, what happens, we need to be people who are compassionate. Because for some people, their circumstances in this world, it's all they have. But that's why we're called to bring the kingdom on earth as in heaven so that other people can see the kingdom, they can experience the kingdom, and they can find a certainty and a confidence and a hope that is greater than their circumstances. And we can live, excuse me, with a commitment to worship. Verse 28 goes on to say, therefore let us be thankful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and that let it, thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. That we can live as people who have a commitment to worship God in every way and in everything as we are called and commanded to do. And that worship goes beyond just Sunday just singing songs, that worship is a, a posture of life that is, is directed on reflecting 
thanks and gratitude and awe and fear and reverence for who God is and for what he's done. And we can give our lives to worshiping the king of the universe as opposed to worshiping other things that will one day go away. And that's a way better use of our worship. But it's not just Sunday. Like I said, it's our life. Look at what Paul says in Romans 12, one through two. He says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. The right response as people who have a kingdom confidence is to live our lives in response of worship. To proclaim the goodness of God in both word and deed for who he is and what he has done. And it goes beyond circumstances because it's about the kingdom, which is not shaken. So here's the question I've been thinking about this week and I wanna just pose to you as we conclude this morning. Are you living with kingdom confidence? Are you living with kingdom confidence? Do you have a confidence that is based around more than circumstances? Do you have that confidence and that certainty that that brings hope because of the kingdom of God? Are you confident and certain in what is and is to come? Are you confident and certain in, in who you are in Jesus? Are you confident and certain in what will last and what will remain forever? Are, are you living with a heart of gratitude? Do you have a sense of hope that goes beyond circumstance? Are you living to worship, committing to worship? See, if we would choose to do those things, to live that confidence, to embrace that confidence, to live kingdom first, it would affect the way we're able to live in uncertain times. That would not only be a blessing to us, but would be a blessing to the world around us. And so do you have that kingdom confidence? Have you put your faith, your trust in Jesus? Are you seeking the kingdom first? Or is your life simply based on circumstances and whatever's happening around you? There's a better way to live. That's what kingdom first living can bring to us. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you this morning for your word. And God, it really is an encouraging word to know that we don't have to, to, to live based upon uncertainty, but we can have certainty, God, in, in your kingdom. We can have a confidence in, in how we live and that, that, that certainty and that confidence can, can bring us hope. And it can help us to bring hope and give hope and share hope to others as well. And so, God, I pray for, for my own life because, God, there are areas in, in my life where, God, I confess to you that, that circumstances hold a lot more influence than they need to. There, there are ways where I'm, I'm living kingdom first, but God, I fear there are some ways where I've allowed other things to creep in and, and take more of my attention than they should. And God, my thought is I'm probably not alone in that struggle. And so God, whether we're watching online or whether we're here together in this room, God, my prayer is that you would, in this moment, God, just bring that clarity, conviction if needed, in the ways that we're not, living kingdom first. 
that if we're struggling for hope, if we're struggling for certainty, that we recognize maybe it's decisions and choices we're making, but maybe God, we just need you to speak those things into our life this morning in a new and fresh way to remind us of those things because the circumstances of life have gotten really hard or they become very uncertain. And it could be that today there are people in this place that, that need to for the very first time God, confess their, their sinfulness and their disobedience to you. And you to acknowledge that Jesus, you are the, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, that you lived, you died, and you were raised to life again. And God, they need to for, ask for forgiveness of that sin and they need to commit themselves to following you. Regardless of our response, God, one response that we can all have this morning is to worship. And so God, we, we wanna do that together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship.
This morning, thanks for joining us online. If you're if you're there, uh, hey, you can also text the word response again to nine four zero nine zero. If you made a spiritual decision or just want to talk to a pastor or minister uh, this week, we would love to follow up with you. If you want to talk about how to accept Christ and receive the gospel, and so uh, don't hesitate to do that. We want to walk with you through that. Uh, also, this Wednesday night at six thirty, we're going to have a night of uh, prayer and worship, and so we uh, we want you to join us. Uh, if, you, if you can, we're going to come before the Lord in prayer and just seek Him and sing together and worship together and pray together. It's going to be an incredible night, so we hope that you'll come and join us for that. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. God, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you that your kingdom is advancing, that you are on your throne, that nothing can stop you. We thank you that there is victory in you and hope in you. So God, help us to put our confidence in your kingdom. Help us to put our confidence and our hope in you and in you alone. And not in our circumstances, not in the things that we do here on earth, or the things that we can offer, but God, would we humble ourselves, surrender all to you. And God, would you use us for your glory, for your kingdom, for your purposes, that you might be glorified, you might be honored, that your kingdom would move. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you soon. You're dismissed.
despite despair We will praise you with a purpose As your presence fills the air All we are is yours Every prayer and every breath All we are is yours 